Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of 3 In, 3 Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast out there. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. And we are, of course, talking free agency moves live. We're doing this on the Locker Room app. Hopefully you're getting involved. Not if you're listening to this later and you missed it, get Get back. We're doing this once a week. We're doing the live three and three outs now. And Brandon, there is only one Seahawks free agency move to talk about the entire 45 minutes dedicated to this man. You know who it is, who we talk about all day today. We better be talking about Nick Ballore, Pro Bowl Seahawks fullback slash special teamer slash linebacker. It really it's the it's the move the entire league is talking about. Yeah, the Iron Man himself here, Nick Ballore, our our pro bowler, our you know our fullbacks sort of extraordinaire re-signing with the team, and we are just so freaking pumped about that one. It's the Nick Ballore three quarters of an hour because that's how much time you need to talk about that that firebomb right there. What a day! I, you know what? I, I am glad though that we didn't make it all the way to Thursday. And that was the only signing that we were talking about. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not any slander toward Nick Ballore, but I'm glad we have other dudes to talk about too. We do. We thank, thank the maker for that. We've got some, we've got some moves. We got some groups. We got people coming and going that just left today. So there's, there's quite, there's, there's a lot to go cover. Well, I think we're going to get to a lot of that free, free uh, agent, you know, action that we saw today. But just I'd say, let's just re- quickly recap. Anybody listening on the Locker Room app uh, live, you, you probably know David Moore is out the door. He's now a Panther. And, you know, we wish him well. The guy caught some big balls, um, you know, some big touchdowns. I probably should phrase that, uh, phrase that appropriately. And he, Brandon, let's, let's, why don't we start with that one? Um, he was a player that for the last two plus years on three and three out and, and other shows that, that we're on together that I, I've kind of railed against the ups and downs, of David Moore. He never quite did it for me as our WR three. Um, I think it's a big, big hole. been talking about that for a while, but any feelings while David Moore goes out the door for you starting in the crannies right away, three in sure. three out style. And David Moore, he was one of the guys that we talked about quite a bit because it was a very, he was either a, a, a good cranny or a bad one, and so it seemed like we talked about him quite a bit. And I guess I wasn't incredibly disappointed that he was leaving. I, I feel like there are other moves that can be made, potentially cheaper options, and now we have the Carolina pipeline. We have the Jacksonville pipeline with Scott Fitterer going and, and joining the, well, becoming the GM of Carolina. And mm-hmm. then you got so many of the the former offensive coordinators down in Jacksonville, too. So it's it's feeling like there's a, a pipeline going specifically to those two places. You got Shaquille Griffin leaving and and Carlos Hyde and yeah, looking at Carolina now with David Moore. And it's uh, yeah, I, I'm not too upset about it. Yeah. For me, it was kind of equivalent, even though he had more time with us to when the Carlos Hyde news broke. I was like, OK. You know, it was like, just like, that's, that's okay. He, he, he can, he can move on. I wish the guy nothing but the best. David Moore did catch some big touchdowns. That one against Carolina is always going to stick in my craw down the left-hand side. On fourth uh, down. La- yeah. So the fourth down play last year, the, the toe tap versus, I think it was New England. That was also down the sideline, the pirouette. So the dude, you know, he made some, he made some plays, but it was the inconsistency overall that it's just, it's just, if he shined like that, you know, more often, not all the time, but more often, I'd be clamoring to keep the guys as our WR three, but we got Shane, the main uh, brain Waldron and we need, we need misdirection. We need quickness. We need, you know, we need dudes who can get in and out of breaks really, really quickly. And when he, when David Moore was running those jet sweeps, I just didn't feel it. I was like, that's not the guy that we want in that position. So now there's a hole there, but this is one that I'm actually excited to fill. I think there's some great, free agents still out there that maybe we'll talk about later with uh with some folks in the flock. So that that is true three and three out nooks and cranny style saying bon voyage to uh, David Moore. But there was some other, I'd say at least pretty big news today and yesterday. Which topic do you would you like to bounce to next? Well with David Moore leaving, I suppose that it does it it means the door isn't completely closed on the 2017 draft class. Carson's still up in the air and Ethan Posick is returning at a $3 million level. And I know a lot of fans saw that and, and they're saying to themselves, oh, great. Well, we got Gabe Jackson. 
They they upgrade at guard, but where's the upgrade at center? And I think there's some concern that Ethan they they see Ethan Posick re-signing and they think that the Seahawks are done at center. Yeah, and they and in free agency, they might be. No, that that that's a possibility. Hey, but also one year, three million dollars for who is still a you know, a, a, a competent center, you know, had had some ups and downs. But like we talked about, I think it was a couple of pods ago, too. Really, his downs were when the left guard position was blown up. Yeah. That, that's when he was really the most down. But if if you put a really good dude next to an OK guy, guess what happens to the OK guy? I don't know if you ever went golfing, Brandon, but the best golf I ever played in my life. I'm not much of a golfer, but the best golf I ever played was when I was paired paired with a good golfer who challenged me and who was who was just consistently better. There's something about that. So if it is Posick going into the draft, I think that's okay. But listen, that 54th pick, or we trade back into the 59 or into the 60s and get another pick or two. There are some centers that that will be had, like we talked about last time. So I don't think we're done done, but I wouldn't be shocked if we if we are free agency for center. And I think I'm okay with that. It's rare for all five guys on the offensive line to be outstanding. And right. even even in the years go back to the the best years on the offensive line, you still had Sean Locklear out at right tackle, and he was the one that got picked on because you know he wasn't the one that was as good as as all the others on the offensive line. That you know the the best years of Seahawks football on the offensive line. So. If Ethan Posick ends up having to be that guy, but I, I'm still not convinced that they're completely done. Yeah, I I agree. And you know, the first stands is going to move quickly here before we open up to some some calls and folks that want to hop in for, from the locker room app. So so far, you know, we we didn't mention some of the other things that happened, but so far with free agency, what is your most favorite move that got you the most jazz to date? The the favorite move had to be the Gabe Jackson move, just from the standpoint of. This is what we've been talking about the last month that Russell Wilson wants to see something addressed on the offensive line. Now, Russ didn't have to say anything for this to be a concern for me coming into free agency. This seemed to be the need. If you watched the Super Bowl, you saw the clear need of the the one team that could protect the quarterback, the one team that couldn't. And you see Kansas City going out there making all kinds of moves on the offensive line. There were positions that needed to be addressed. And with the first day of free agency not going great with those three big names going off the board early, not going to Seattle, it was at least you had that move then to point toward to say, here's a veteran that is giving up zero sacks last year, playing you know the entire season, all 16 games. That's a huge bonus. And and that to me, I, I don't think I can look at any other move and, and say that it tops that one. Not even Belor. I mean, we, we we spent the whole opening on Belor. No, uh, and 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 though this is three and three out, where we where we tend to try to get into the nooks and crannies and look at those, look at the smaller things, the wrinkles. It is Gabe Jackson. There's there's no that that moves the power move so far. Super excited that we we have solidified that. We get a little health luck this year. We'll see what happens at center. And this is this is a this is an improved line, which was already an improved line from the year previous. So hopefully it satiates Russ. We got the Go Hawks from Russ today in one of his videos. That was very nice to see. And then, you know, of course, we haven't we haven't mentioned uh, Gerald Everett yet at all from the Rams. Right. One year, six million. But I want to want to say I want to bring this. I saw a tweet from uh, Dave Softy Mahler, right? So known as Softy out there. I'm on the East Coast. I think the folks in the West Coast know me even better than I yeah, do. Yeah, 950 KJR in Seattle. Exactly, exactly. I know him from Twitter and, and other things he does with Hawk Blogger, et cetera, et cetera. But Softy tweeted something along the lines of Everett will be unleashed in Seattle. You know, it was it was part of a tweet, and I'm sitting there going like, you know, I think Gerald Everett's a good ball player, man. Like I was. The game that you gave me tickets to two years ago, the Thursday night football game that I went to Flocktimus with, we were wearing the action greens. That was the game where Everett went bananas, like 180 yards or so and the touchdowns. And, uh, you know, Greg, the leg misses the last the last second field goal. And the place was bananas and can't wait to get back there. And, and shout out to Flocktimus. But the words Everett will be unleashed in Seattle. I got to put like a. Really? Yeah. Like, will, will he be released in Seattle? Was it a guy? I mean, is it a golf thing? Is it because we have Waldron? Because because when was the last time Seattle kind of like, 
you know, released a tight end. It was like, yeah, just go be a beast. I, I, I don't know. So, well, you got you, a little so, bit of a sense of that with in those first four games of Will Disley, where he was just he looked outstanding, and well, he got injured. So there was yeah. that, and I, I don't know. I just I've yet to be inspired by a tight end that has come in as a free agency. And I mean, the biggest example of that is Jimmy Graham, where you had these huge expectations and he never quite lived up to those expectations, even though he became the uh, the leader in franchise history for receiving yards. And he was only here for three seasons for by a tight end. So I, I'm happy finding a serviceable veteran tight end. And I think he that was one of the positions where I expected the Seahawks to go out and find a guy. And he fills that role to me. What I do like about it is I do think, well, there's two things I like about it. I like the idea that, you know, the, the OC comes over or we get, we get Shane, he becomes our OC. And, and then he, you know, I, he's probably his guy, right? He probably, he probably sees a lot of talent, things that he could do with him. Obviously knows, knows going to know Everett very, very well. That's number one. Number two is, I do think he's a plus. Like I do think there there is a plus side to him because we've seen him. One year, six million is not outrageous. I mean, look what the Giants just paid for Kyle Rudolph. Right. What the, the Giants? <laughs> I mean, the Giants gave up two years. Um, what was it? Is Sixteen. It, I think. It eight? Sixteen. Yeah. yeah, eight million a year for Kyle Rudolph, who is a. To me, Kyle Rudolph is kind of like a 1992 tight end. You know, he's, he's okay in the passing game. He could be good in the goal line and he's a good run blocker. That's fine. That's, that's all fine. But he's also like, you know, he's also like a million years old. He's, he's not, he's not young at all. Everett is more athletic, better with the ball, you know, great yards after catch guy will work the seam and he's, and he's quite a bit younger. Um, so, and to get him for six just seems like a plus against some of the other moves that were out there. I'm not sure if it's the Giants being dum-dums or we actually got a pretty good deal. Uh, so, so I am. That was another one that I, I'm definitely a plus on, and I'm excited. I think he he ups our skill level at a position where last year clearly we were lacking. Yeah, it, it was a need, and like I said, uh, he's. I did say a guy, but I, I mean it in the way of a, a darn good football player, not a, a guy as in just a guy. So, right, I endorse the move. Huzzah. He's fully endorsed, which, which is which is fantastic. Awesome. I know we've hit the uh, probably the end of the first stanza. So are there folks we want to bring in that are, that are ready to chime in or, or lob us some questions, of course? If not, we'll just keep going. It's things we can do. We've got questions. We've got people lining up to come on and we are going to get to that coming up next. This is three in three out. And if you want to subscribe to the show, you can go to sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts to subscribe to this show, to subscribe to any other SB nation NFL podcast. And we are broadcasting live via the locker room app. We're doing it weekly. You can catch us when we go live by going to fieldgoals.com, watching for the post there, or follow me at Seahawkra in the locker room app. And you can get notified when we go live. And the great part about doing it live is we get to interact with those of you who listen. And we're going to start with a question from fieldgoals.com. Doc Animal says, hey, guys, something I'd love to hear you guys talk about is, one, did this free agency across the NFL play out in the way you expected? A lot more talent still available after the first three days than I expected. And I see we got another question coming in to, through the locker room app, but I'll let you address that one, Clinton. I think this this season, this offseason is a little bit different just because of the big salary cap squeeze. No, you know, not breaking ground there. Um, what I am seeing is I think we're seeing some some bargains and some overspending, which you're going to see the first two days. But usually, you know, when you get the the, the toonies, which I, I've learned to say his name now, uh, okay. but but you get the toonies of the world and, and you figure, yeah, go overspend on toonie. That makes sense. But then I look at Shaq Griffin, and and while I'm sad that we lost Shaq Griffin, I gotta say I think the Jags, you know, really overspent for he's a good corner. And the reason I say that, Brandon, is we brought up last time we said, hey, listen, there's there's Jason Barrett, who yes, he's been injured, but 
what do you what do you end up resigning for? Like five, five and a quarter? Five, five and a half, yeah. Right? Five, like okay, that. five and a half. He that dude's a darn good corner. And then I also said, hey, another guy out there in the division that I was really interested in was Troy Hill. And Troy Hill just signed with the Browns, I think, today, four years, 24 million. So six million a year. So what's weird to me is those those big gaps like is is Shaq Griffin a nine million dollar more a guy year or so eight million or so than Troy Hill I don't see it whatsoever so I see just I just see some blatant overspending but but unfortunately for those organizations that's not that's like nothing new to them they've they've done that before well let's put a pin in that too and talk about a little bit later some of the moves that maybe you wish the Seahawks would have been in on but I do want to get Julian who just came in. Julian, how you doing? Hey, I'm good, guys. Just a quick question. How confident with the new Waldron scheme, hopefully, uh, that Nick Ballore could be used in the kind of uh, Kyle Juice check kind of role? Brandon, I'll let you take it. Yeah, I I think that we would have seen more from Ballore as a, a receiving option up until now. I, I think back to... Uh, what game was it this season where uh, every single dude was hurt? And so you had Belor out there actually catching passes uh, and, and taking the, a couple handoffs. And that was unusual. So I don't know if they are going to try and and fit him in and, and work him into that type of mold. I think he's going to continue to be that outstanding special team type player. And if they work in a few packages for him around the goal line, we, we've seen you know him work. Uh, in those sorts of ways, I can see there being some of those specialty packages for him. But I mean, Kyle Juszczyk, he's just a, a completely different dude. And, you know, the 49ers find so many creative ways to work him in. And I think it is because of the type of player he is. I just I don't think Belor is at, at that level when it comes to fullback. But, you know, he can do some some nice things for you in certain moments. Well, that's a, that was a very very nice way of of saying no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but for for Julian, I think it's a good question. And as much as I would, what I want and and what we have, I think there's a, there's a big delta there. Unfortunately for me, and Belor, I have not been a big Belor fan. I've made that clear. Hopefully, folks have been listening to three and three out and the Seahawkers pod and everything else for years. Um, not a big Belor guy, and I think him getting a Pro Bowl nod for special teams. Kind of only inflated his his sense of worth. Not not saying him individually, but what Seahawks fans maybe the league thinks about him to slap Pro Bowl in front of him and have that fullback title. Yeah, and and Julian says wishful thinking, of course. And yeah, I, for I, sure, for sure. But the, the the big thing there though is like what I want us to get out of is is the shotgun the shotgun read option where Russ never keeps it right. It's like it, it does us no good. No, we saw so much of that. So. Even if Belore is used and is not great, like un- under par as a fullback, but we get those that those packages in, which open up different things as opposed to just the shotgun read option that Rush never keeps is crashed down, then then it could still be a plus, even though the player is not a plus. We got Corey coming into the chat. He was with us last week. Welcome back, Corey. Hey, what's going on, guys? Corey. Just a quick question and kind of furthering up on a point you had earlier uh, about the center position. So, you know, we went with Posick and we saved some money with that move and we'll probably get a guy in the draft like a Creed Humphrey or a Dickerson or something like that in the draft. But obviously there may be holding that money for that third wide receiver or, you know, a, maybe a good pair of defensive ends. So I was just wondering, where do you think they're going to throw that extra money at? I think so. Uh, great points. I would still love us to spend the money on a chip w- that you know has returned. So to me, that's the edge guy. I that's that's what I would want them to do. Um, I want. I would like to share this thing and turn back time and just make Dunlap extend Dunlap and give him a two year deal, three year deal, and figure that out. Or now just bring Dunlap back or somebody equivalent. There's a, there's a few out there that might still be an equivalent to Dunlap. Um, we saw Hassan Reddick. Corey, we talked about Hassan Reddick. He didn't get paid all that much. He just he just went to a new team as well. I'd rather they put the chip down on almost like the guaranteed return uh, and go get a good go good at least get at least one good edge rusher because I, as I said last time too, there to me is a sneaky good 
WR3 free agents out there still. There's a couple, but I'm going to just pound the drum once again for my guy, Isaiah McKenzie from the Bills. That dude could come in and with this misdirection-led offense, be an outstanding number three, and he's so under the radar. You don't have to pay him a lot. So you could get him, get another flyer for another wide receiver, lay the chips on the edge guys, and get the return thereafter. That's what I would do if I was if I was Schneider. But Brandon, maybe you got a different different uh, vibe. I'm with you in the sense of finding the defensive end. And to me, Carlos Dunlap, he's that guy. If you're talking about what move is still out there to be made, I think it's the Carlos Dunlap move. And it's it's because he had such an impact where you needed a sack to help close out a game at the end of last season. He was out there multiple times, and that's a position that I think they really need. And I'll, I'll, I'll add one more thing, of course, still with us, too. I definitely you know, chime back in. We, we talked a lot about that. We talked a lot last year about how much better Reed got when Dunlap was there. Right. And that was just clear and present. What gets kind of lost in the memory banks is how much better Mayoa was when Dunlap was there. So the other edge, the other side started opening up because it wasn't always Dunlap closing it out with a sack at the end of the game like he did a couple of times. A couple of times in there was Mayoa coming around around the other edge because havoc was being created. So it is, you know, the the Ashton Kutcher butter, butterfly effect thing happening here where, yeah, man, we, we, we need that D end. And, and I've just, I want, I, I want the one, I, I kind of want the one we know. And after a half a year, that's Dunlap. So I'm with you. But Corey, what, what do you think, man? I'm thinking that too, that uh, you have to bring back Dunlap on a good deal. You know, I would love to get two guys on the edge, to be brutally honest with you. But, you know, yeah. that Mayoa point was good that... um he spelled them really well. Like Mayoa kind of got burnt out like the beginning, you know, from getting all those reps at the Leo and they weren't too, you know, sure. Yeah. With Alton Robinson. And then I, I noticed when he came back from that an ankle injury, they really put him in the good packages and that's why he was good, you know, but yeah, let's go. I think that Dunlap move for sure. And I, I think that Isaiah McKenzie would be a good move too, because you got like that T Y Hilton there, which I feel like you would overpay for T Y and That's you could thing, get, man. you could get a guy with the same skill set for cheaper and younger. So I'm all for it. He kind of reminds me of the same guy that he was, was on his team, uh, John Brown, kind of that same, just little guy. But uh, yeah, I agree. He's got the burner ability and he, it does, you know, and T Y's, a much, much bigger name. And T.Y. has been hurt, you know, on and off and is much, much older. I, I do I do know there's some pockets of uh, Seahawks Twitter that are, that are pounding the drum for T.Y. Hilton. It's not like if we got T.Y. and got him on a reasonable contract that I'd be upset because mm -hmm. him coming in as, as a three where he was a one his entire career would be really interesting. That He's a quality receiver, no doubt about it. However, I, looking at the whole, I, th I think there they think there are some more inexpensive routes that do free up the money for for the edge, which is where we're going to really need to still sew up when it when it comes down to it. I also saw today uh, Philip Lindsley came a free agent, and I feel like you could maybe even get him cheaper than Carson. I would like to have Carson back, but he's just kind of an intriguing name that you know maybe could fit well. How do you feel about that guy? I think that if you're going to spend on running back at this point, you bring back Chris Carson. He's still out there. It seems like he's going to get, gosh, I look at the deal that um, Kenyon Drake got with the Raiders. Yep. And so if that deal is out there for Carson, I could see the Seahawks still doing that. I don't know what Lindsay's going to cost, but I don't know for kind of a smaller running back. I know he, he did hit a thousand yards. I, I'm just, I, I feel like the other pieces that the Seahawks have, He's obviously better than Travis Homer, but I think for the cost of Travis Homer, you could use that money better spent in other places. Yeah, I, I'm 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 not a Lindsay fan, really. Um, I know like in a backfield with like Royce Freeman and Lindsay and and he he was there was always just like who's better and the he he definitely pulled away. And then they got then they got MG3, and MG3 was better than both of them. And you know, even even later in his career, showing out that that he was a far better back. I think Lindsay's not going to get paid all that much because because he's nowhere near a three down back. You know, he's just he's just not that, and um, he's also not my type of back, Corey. So he's just he's not the kind of dude that I want in there when it's like third and two, fourth and one, goal line work that you're like, all right, 
give this dude the ball. He's he's going to get those tough yards and has, you know, has the the the, the cuts and the, the the little Arian Foster jump cuts that he could do in one cut. I'm not a big Lindsay guy. So for me, that'd be a pass. However, Brandon, you, you know my my affinity for Chris Carson. Chris <laughs> yes, Carson is I do. He's my he's my favorite Seahawk of this era. Um last week at this time, I was just, you know, resign. I was, I was done. I was like, where he's gone. He won't come back. He's going to get an offer and it would be, it'll be too big. He's going to get like a Shaq Griffin offer, you know, analogous across the field there. And there's no way we're going to pay it. Now, when I see that Drake money and I see some of these other dudes going off the board, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe we still got a shot. So I'm kind of giving myself this hope that we can bring Carson back. I'm very hopeful we can, but that also brings up a, a potential point for anybody else who wants to talk about it. If you had one choice, right, Brandon, one choice, and you had KJ Wright or or Chris Carson, say say one of them comes back at a fair deal, but the other one's got to go, where would you uh, lay your chips? I, I still think I would lay my chips with KJ Wright. I think you can still go out and find a running back for the cost. And uh, we do have another person who is going to come in here in a second. Uh, John Gilbert from Field Goals is joining us via oh, nice. our StreamYard stream. So. How about you, Clinton? Knowing your affinity for Chris Carson, do you go Carson or KJ? Uh, so I love Chris Carson, and my answer is KJ, right? And it's because of replaceability. And 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 I still think Carson is a top 10 back and maybe better, maybe top five, top seven. It's the variance. It's the variance between 10, 12, 10, 15 running back wise and the the you know what what KJ has done the last two years when we thought oh he might, he might be washed he was our best football player last year he was the best player you know, on defense um, so yeah I, I I put it to KJ make him a lifer which is kind of nice too and I would say very sweet goodbyes to uh, Carson that would be very difficult so that's hard for me Brandon well John Gilbert coming in to join us here and so for those of you who are in the locker room app if you have salary cap questions John is the guy that I go to. When I have salary cap questions and John, I I've been, this one's kind of been weighing on me a little bit. We've seen a lot of one year deals that the Seahawks have given players. And I'm, it's a little bit frustrating to me because I feel like I'm seeing a lot more value that other teams are doing where they're, they're giving three year deals, but it's uh, they're, they're doing the signing bonus. That way they're able to stretch the signing bonus over three years and then come in with a really low cap number, but we haven't seen that from Seattle yet. My guess is that Seattle is just being very patient. Uh, you know, I think they're going to, I think John Schneider and Pete Carroll, you know, they've, they've never been as well since 2011. Anyway, they have not been overly aggressive in the first wave of free agency. I mean, obviously in 2011, they went out, they got Zach Miller. They went out and they got Sidney Rice. They gave them big contracts. Those two contracts remain two of the biggest free agent contracts that they've given out. In spite of the fact that the salary cap is up more than 50% since then, you know, at the end of the day, I think, I think a week from now, two weeks from now, Seahawks fans are going to like free agency a lot more because I have a very, very big, you know, my hunch is there's going to be a whole lot of bargains that the Seahawks are going to sign to one year contracts over the next couple of weeks. You know, it's guys who, whether they were injured or they, something happened, they, their market didn't pan out. They're going to come to Seattle. They're going to play with Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner for a season. And with the thought of hitting free agency again next year and just, I think people are, you know, I think a lot of fans are very excited with what has been done in the last day, day and a half. But I think, I think over the next couple of weeks is when it's going to get very interesting because there are still a lot of very good players out there. Not the top end guys, like a lot of fans had wanted initially, but very good players, quality players, experienced players who are going to be signing for at or near league minimum. So you're, you're, you know, you're kind of painting, painting with a broad brush there or, or in a Bob Ross sense, you're kind of like putting down the liquid white, right? You're laying, <laughs> you're laying the canvas for, for some more, for, for some more colors. So, you know, you're, you're kind of teasing, uh, some, some things there. Are, are there a couple that you, you do expect? I'll, I'll, I'll put out an early example where, you know, John Ross, what did he get? Two and a half million from the giants. And I, I realized John Ross is a flyer, but the talent is very, very clear with John Ross and, and boy, oh boy, would that be a good looking WR3 or at least a chance of WR3 with that kind of talent in the wide receiver group. Are there, there's a lot of people out there. Do you have a couple of flyers and a few names, a couple of tags? You're like, you know what, this dude 
might last quite a while in free agency and we, we can get him at a bargain discount who could really fill in that WR3 or, or compete for that spot at least. Any, any particular ones that, that, that you're fancying? Uh, you know, and unfortunately, you know, I haven't paid as much attention to the wide receiver market um, as I have to other positions. But I think, um, you know, because I think the big build coming in, I think that my focus has been more on the offensive line. And unfortunately, they've already built that out. So I think any, you know, any of the f- the work that I've done is mostly going to go towards guys that they might take a late flyer on, you know, to try and bring in as depth like they did with uh, he last year and just see if he pans out. You know, if they, I think they've got a couple guys that are probably in their target hairs to you know in the crosshairs to see if they can bring them in and you know replace a Dwayne Brown in the next couple of years because there is no depth to tackle that that has been so shown to be competent you know I've, I've put a, a list of a, about a half dozen different guys on field goals uh, you know who kind of meet the the experience requirements that they've gone after in the past because the free agent linemen they've gone after they've typically you know when they brought in Ode Abushi, when they brought in BJ Finney when they brought in Brandon Shell if you go down the list of the free outside free agent linemen they've typically had anywhere from a thousand to two thousand snaps shell was kind of on the higher end at about 2500 snaps of experience um, and then they've looked for guys who fit their athletic profile some of the guys some of the names on that list you know the raven clark caleb beninok forrest lamp julian davenport alex redmond are all guys who could kind of fall into that range forrest lamp is obviously going to be the big name the one that fans are more mm-hmm. likely to recognize uh, and i think you know if, if they brought him in as guard depth as a potential you know future takeover or compete um you know on the interior of the line i don't think a whole lot of fans would be upset about that i don't think they'd be very excited about some of the other names that i just listed but those are the names that are out there on the offensive side uh and then on the defensive side i think there will be a whole lot of edge rushers in particular which is obviously going to be a position of need um that you know whether it's carlos dunlap on a deal that is less expensive than the one that he had or whether it's taking a flyer on a guy coming back from injury like a bruce irving irvin excuse me where they can structure the deal in a way that it's extremely extremely cap friendly for 2021 without having to guarantee that there's going to be dead money or a cap hit in 2022 because with his with his lack of playing time combined with his lack of on-field production because he got injured a game and a half into the season there they like to do the roster bonuses for per game they could carry it off season if they gave him a minimum salary contract with a quarter million dollar per game bonus he would have you know, he played all 17 games assuming we have a 17 game schedule he would of course carry about a five million dollar cap hit but going into the season during the course of the offseason, because he only played two games last year, the look back, his cap hit would be only about $1.6 million. So you're really getting Bruce, a guy like Bruce Irvin to a contract very similar to what they did last year, coming back from a knee injury where he may or may not play all 17 games, but he wouldn't count a whole lot against the cap. And I think that is what they will do. They've done that in the past. That's kind of how they've tried to game the system a little bit with Eddie Lacy is what they did with Luke Jokel, where they've tried to take kind of take advantage of that, get guys who may have upside coming back from injury. Coming, John, back John, those, those are not good examples, John. <laughs> I got, I got to tell, tell you, I got to tell you, if you tell, if, if, if that's, if that's gaming, right. <laughs> if, if that's gaming the, system then we need to abort this mission my lord really you know up up down down and get some more lives john that's enough yeah you, you had me i was going until you threw jokel out there and lacy and now now i'm a mess uh look don't look at the on-field performance i'm simply talking from a cap perspective at this point yeah. <laughs> this is um you know that because they the seahawks have traditionally been i know you know fans have called for them to be a little more aggressive with the down cap and with the cap expected to explode in the you know, especially in the wake of the tv contracts yeah. being announced today um but they there's they simply that's not their style they've been very conservative in the past they've only created cap space through restructures through converting base salary to signing bonus when absolutely necessary and i just i i I don't even know if something like that, like the urban structure, if that may be too aggressive for their likes, um, you know, or for their, for what they're looking to do. It's, and it's, you know, fans want to see it differently, but it's, they've really managed the cap very, very conservatively. They continue to manage it very, very conservatively. And it's, I just, that's why I think they are sitting out waiting and I think they'll, they'll pick and choose 
because they'll kind of be, you know, they'll, they'll be in a situation in a couple, in a week or two where they're saying to, you've got experienced guys starring caliber, you know, edge rushers available, not top tier, not all pro, not pro bowl guys, but guys who are good. And they'll say, look, you know, you, you don't have a home come show what you can do in a system where we'll put your skills on display and you can hit free agency in a year, you know, when, when the cap is coming back and it's bounced back, cause we're going to have fans hopefully we'll have fans in the stands and the TV contracts hitting and you can cash in next year. So I think they're just being patient and I don't, you know, I don't see anything big. You know, I think there'll be a lot of names that get linked to the team. I think there'll be a whole lot of visits and reports and, you know, they'll, they'll end up with the guys who come in as close to bargain as they can get. So you pointed toward a key thing there, John, and that is that they don't do the restructures until absolutely necessary. You know, for a lot of people wondering, you know, why not do a restructure with Bobby Wagner or why not do one with Russ? And really open it up so you can bring back, you know, a, a guy like Carlos Dunlap or, you know, maybe make some other moves in addition to that. Do you think that they have that just ready to go and it's just they're going to do it when it's only when it's necessary? No, absolutely. I think one of the key things on that topic is that you you know, in particular, we got confirmation from uh, Joel Corey, who's a former agent. You know, they don't even need Russell Wilson's permission. Um, and it's my understanding is that that's pretty standard for their contracts. So it's not as if it's something where they have to reach Russ and he might be traveling, you know, off in the Maldives or Fiji or on a, you know, hmm. shooting a commercial or visiting, visiting kids in a hospital. If it happens to be a Tuesday, they can literally just file paperwork with the league. It's scanned, it's fill out a form, scan it in, send it in, or just email it in, whatever they have to do. And they, they just have to notify the league that they're doing it. And then, 30 seconds later, they have cap space. So it's not anything that is of any kind of urgency whatsoever. They, they have it available to them. It's at their disposal. You know, when they need it, they can, you know, if they come to an agreement with Carlos Dunlap and he says, you know what, you know, you guys didn't like the one for 14, I'll be back for three for 15 or three for 20 or whatever, or, you know, one year, $5 million with some upside based on performance, you know, whatever it may be. And they say, okay, well, you know, give us a minute while well, we're going to email you the forms but, you know, wait a minute because we have to send this into the league first so that we can, you know, free up some cap space or it's not it's it's not anything that's going to impede their ability to negotiate with with players. There is absolutely nothing to worry about in terms of that. If they need the cap space, if they come, you know, if, if they reach agreement with anyone and, you know, they, they need space to, to bring them in, they can get it done in time. It's not an issue. And I, what's what's interesting to me is like, you know, this is the first year, like I've heard this now for like the last two weeks, right? Like, hey, you really actually don't need it. And it's like, and and it's great to get the confirmation, but it's, then I, I feel like we're inside a, John, we're inside a web of lies all these years, all these years of like quarterbacks, you know, quarterbacks coming in, like, like, you know, the, the heroes that they are like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll restructure. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take 10 more million dollars today. So we could, you know, so you guys could pay more for this guy. It actually, it actually wasn't, it's not their decision. So then do the teams just give the quarterback or whoever it is that is restructuring the grace of, of like being in the limelight, like they're the hero. Is that, is that, is that what we're seeing here? Is it a big wag the dog? It, it's a, some of it can be wagging the dog. Some of it is there are actually situations where the player will make concessions. I, I think it was Matt Ryan just recently gave up a couple of million dollars. I mean, whatever it was from 23 million to 21 million or whatever, you know, he did take a small pay cut, I believe. Um, and there, I mean, they'll do it on occasion. There's been a, a dozen or so reports of players taking pay cuts to avoid getting cut uh, this off season. But it's just, you know, in, in a situation with Seattle, I mean, it's, they did it with Doug Baldwin when they traded for Dwayne Brown. They did it with Russell Wilson just a few weeks before that, when they traded for Sheldon Richardson. And it's not even, you know, it's like, Oh, well, they're getting a lump sum, you know, a payment up front. Most of the time, it's not even that. Most of the time, it's they're getting the payment exactly as they would, as if it had stayed base salary game checks. That's just accounted for differently in terms of the <laughs> salary cap for the league office. Yeah. And so it's you know it, it, they can play out as the hero. I know there was a whole lot of talk, you know, a couple of weeks ago or last week, whenever it was, uh, regarding Patrick Mahomes, regarding Tom Brady. I mean, it's, there was nothing those two were doing that was you know 
super beneficial for the team. They were taking, getting the money that was basically guaranteed to them anyway. And it was being accounted for differently on the books. Nothing changes. So, I mean, I know a lot of fans took it as those two being heroes and selfless and taking one for the team, but it's like, you know, you're going to get $25 million between now and next March. Now you're going to get $25 million, but it's going to be different on our books. That's the only difference. I like it. Well, that's at least we at least got some clarity there, Brandon. Yeah. And I do want to go back and, and kind of, I guess, ask my my previous question a little bit differently, because let's take, for example, the Gerald Everett contract. It's one year, six million or and, and maybe incentives to go up to seven. But why not instead of, of just doing that one year, seven million, why, why not like a seven or eight million dollar signing bonus do a three year I mean, even call it like a $27 million contract. So it escalates kind of to, to the next couple of years, but those are non-guaranteed years. But then that allows you to spread out that, you know, six, seven, $8 million over three seasons and, and take the cap hit that way. And then you can release them and, and, you know, you're still spreading out. It's, it's kind of a, it's a little bit of money spread out over three years rather than the one big lump sum for one year. And, uh, you know, and I wish I had a better answer for you, but at the end of the day, it simply comes back to the fact that they have, you know, since the, they had a couple of the early contracts, that the couple of the early big contracts that not necessarily, I mean, Percy Harvin obviously blew up in their face. There's yeah. no questions about that. Um, but Zach Miller and Sidney Rice, through no fault of those two players, you know, through no fault of their own, they both saw their careers ended due to injury well before either of the five-year contracts they signed in free agency came to a close. And both of those contracts did basically that they weren't huge signing bonuses but they were decent size signing bonuses that did you know lower the first year cap hit so that they were not paying much at all in 2011 for miller and rice and then but those you know those those contracts like i said due to injury went sideways and they mm. have just been very very conservative and i don't know if it's you know a part of that is just, you know, everything that went down with the cam deal or everything that went down with McDowell, or if it's just kind of everything coming together, you just say, you know what, let's, let's kind of pay as we go instead of putting big money into this and, you know, finding ourselves in a situation like we were in 2019, where they had a whole lot of dead money for dead Doug Baldwin. They had a whole lot of dead money for cam chancellor and a roster that was competitive and made the playoffs and you know went into the wild card round but couldn't get past that in part because they had 20 million dollars tied up with a couple of guys who were not on the roster and i think they're just very 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 hesitant to give out big money potentially put themselves at risk in a situation where because i agree you could absolutely do that with every you could absolutely you know instead of a one-year six million dollar deal give him a a $1 million base, a $5 million signing bonus, break it up over three fake years. The Patriots, you know, do that regularly. That's what they did with the keep to leave. You give him a giant second year base salary of 20 million or whatever. So that he knows he's going to get cut, but they just, it's, they have not done that because they've just managed the books very, very conservatively. Ryan's coming into the chat here and uh fire away, Ryan. Okay. Uh, my question is, I get the sense when I'm on Twitter during the season that people tend to kind of think like the team is more talented. They're, they're underachieving. They should be doing better. Their roster is better than our record. And then free agency starts and people are like instantly in a panic that the roster is not good enough and we're missing out on all these huge moves. And so I guess my question is, how do you guys feel? Do you guys think we need to be making these huge moves? Do you think we have a solid roster? And like, you're talking about filling out, uh, you know, the bargain bin players and like, do you think that's what the right move? What do you guys think? Well, Ryan, if you're if you're suggesting that humans are wildly inconsistent, uh, that you 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 might be onto something. Uh, but but you know that's that is true. That is true. Like dur during the year, it's it's your pound the table for you know, come on, we got the dudes. Like, hey, we got DK, we got Tyler. Why can't why can't we turn around this whole second half of the year? Was was that right? Why can't we figure this out? And and then free agency, and and then and then it's you know, uh, woe woe is me, and 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 the tax collectors coming around, and you're hiding all your gold, right? Um, it's it's a story, a story as as old as time with that one. With that though, 
what I what I think is I do think last year's twelve and four was was a bit of a mirage. I don't I don't think we were a twelve and four elite team, and I think that was um, you know uh, that that showed out in the playoffs. And and we had we had warts that could be covered up with um, with a certain schedule that was okay. But once it got to playing even decent teams, uh, broke broken thumb golf uh, being one of them, I guess. Um, the warts become, you know, full on blemishes and and wounds and lesions and and you bleed out on the table and, and you're you're gone the first round. So, um, but but I do agree with you. I, th- I think right now, if I look at the my quick snapshot is from where we were last year to where we are right now, we're a little bit worse currently. Currently, for, uh, with the uh, the offensive lines definitely gotten an upgrade. But I'm a big running back guy. I actually think running backs matter, and we shared this last time. Right now, our current running back room, it's got to be one of the weakest in the NFL. Unless we can get Carson back or what are we going to do there and find find somebody there. Um, we don't have a WR3. We have Freddie Swain right now as our WR3. Currently, I think we're in a bit of a hole. However, I, yeah, we're four days guys, in, Clinton. What do you want? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I want more. I, I want I want to be wildly inconsistent. I want more. But I, but I would say this, like we have these three draft picks. Would you guys be everybody on the call? Would you guys be okay with actually trading more draft capital for just just guys that can play? Like, hey, go get your WR3 if that was possible. Or go get the go get an edge rusher, package them up and go get an edge rusher and actually enter the draft with less draft capital but more things secured. Would that be an okay trade-off in, in your guys' brains? My view is that the draft is kind of so wide open this year that, like, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to skipping the draft. To be honest, it's uh, – that's – now, John Schneider, if he's listening, should not take my advice, but <laughs> – right? Uh, it's such a weird year. I'm in that camp as well where I would be willing to part with draft capital to get a couple of things locked up. Hey, we just did that with – with our brand new freaking guard, and he's really, really good. Can we do more of that, John? Do you have any, any, uh, you know, any particular angles there that you want to take? No, I, and I, I am in agreement to, you know, to an extent. I think if you have the opportunity, you know, if you've got a seventh round draft pick or a player who's going to be cut, but you can have him, you know, you can add them for a day three pick. Right. You know, it's at least worth exploring. I mean, you, you are not getting a guard of Gabe Jackson's caliber in the sixth or seventh round or the fifth round. You know, if you, if you have the ability to add a starter who is under contract for a couple of seasons with everything going on, it make could make perfect sense. And it, as long as it's a different maker, you know, you don't yeah. want to necessarily give up that draft capital to add a depth safety or to, you know, bring in a guy who's going to compete at cornerback with Witherspoon and flowers and Reed. you know, if it's someone who's, no questions asked is going to come in and be the starter, then it's worth it. If it's someone who's going to come in and be competition, then absolutely not. And then just to add on that one thing that that's even, you know, not just the uncertainty because of COVID and the lack of college tape and the no combine that all goes into the draft, the new CBA actually, you know, I mean, we all saw, how the player development changed when the old CBA went into effect in 2011. I mean, when they cut practice time during the off season and they cut practice time during preseason and limited that, I mean, in particular, obviously the big discussions have all been about the offensive line and how it's impacted play there and how, you know, guys are coming out of spread office offenses in college and they don't have the experience playing offensive line with technique and they don't know how to play and they get to the pros and they don't have any time to practice, to learn how to play and they're not getting reps. So they're getting games game reps and it's taken them three to four years to learn how to play well they went in and the new cba that went into effect last year cut preseason practice time in half they used to have 28 practices of three hours a piece during the preseason now it's down to 16 practices of two and a half hours a piece that's it during the preseason and then you got 14 practices during the week that's all the contact practice they get anymore so if you're taking a guy in the sixth or seventh round hoping that he can come in and develop and play whether it's on the offensive line or whether it's at wide receiver I think teams that are forward looking, you know, teams like the Seahawks, teams like the Patriots, I think they're going to look at that and say, you know what, this was the, there was a giant decrease in productivity from day three rookies under, you know, pre 2011 to post 2011. Sure, there are exceptions, 
but I think going forward, we're going to see another big hit because there's even more practice time reductions. And it's just, I think it's going to be a big impact. The one last thing that I'll say with regard to, you know, that strategy of, of picks versus going out and, and trading those away to sign guys is that when you look now at this 2017 draft class, the Seahawks picked 11 players back in 2017. And as of right now, just one guy is coming back nice. and that's Ethan Posick for 3 million. So any amount that you had budgeted because you want to quote unquote, pay your guys. Well, that's not happening with this class because you know, Shaquille Griffin. Yes, he was a, a really good player, but was he, a guy that you're going to pay to that level to keep him around? The answer was no. And so now you can use that money instead on guys that, yes, you're giving up future draft picks and, you know, four years down the road, you're not going to have that much to budget now for that particular class of draft picks because, yeah, there's not going to be anybody to pay because you didn't have very many draft picks. So if you want to make an <laughs> exception for this year, I think that's maybe some of the reasoning that you can put into it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it is it is the weird year. It's not a bad time to take to take a different tact. I would just be totally okay if we entered late April and we're like, you know what, we have our second rounder and we filled some holes because we could trade away a seventh that was about to get cut. And we're like, you know what? We'll, we'll it's it's the same exact thing as trading up. You know, I know John John Arsewer has not worked out to date yet, the power of yet, but it's the same idea of like trading a seventh. Uh, or trading a you know a, a sixth rounder next year to to go get that that seventh rounder this year or vice versa et cetera et cetera yeah. um, same concept just saying okay hey we'll gladly gladly pay you Tuesday for for that that starting guy today I think this year it, we could probably fill some gaps that way so and with so many dudes that are going to be squeezed because of the cap it might be an interesting tactic to deploy now we don't have that many that much draft capital but let's see if we could if we can do that I'd be so happy if we were in a better spot roster-wise and only had our second pick, and then we went and drafted a center. That would be lovely. Well, we will have to see. There's there's a lot more time to make a lot more moves. John Schneider may even surprise us and end up with a, a way to get more draft picks. I don't know how they do it with the guys that they have on the roster. You know, who would you actually give up for draft picks? But, you know, maybe you turn that, that second rounder into a couple third rounders if there's guys in the third round that you like. There's still... There's time for that, Clinton, and we are going to be talking about that more in the weeks ahead. So appreciate everybody who joined us in the Locker Room app. Be sure and follow me there at Seahawkra, and that way you can get the notifications when we go live. The live notifications also go up at fieldgoals.com, so follow along there for when we go live. Clinton, John, appreciate you both. John, for coming on as a guest. Clinton, for hosting as always. And where do people go to follow you, John? Uh, you can follow me, obviously, all my work at Field Goals, as well as on Twitter at John P. Gilbert NFL. All right. Well, we will be back talking more Seahawks here on the Locker Room app in the weeks ahead. So like I said, follow along and uh, yeah, just stay tuned. We got more to talk about. Follow Clinton on Twitter at Clinton Bond and Clinton with that. There's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.